we're going to be dealing with the uh, altar of incense this morning. Praise God. It's very, very powerful. Exodus chapter 30, and we'll begin reading with verse 1 through verse 10. And then we'll flip over and read from verse 34 to verse 38. Is everybody there? Exodus 30 and verse 1. Praise God. Right, it says, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shadow wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four squares shall it be. And two cubits shall be the height thereof, the horns thereof shall be of the same. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And two golden rings shalt thou make to it under the crown of it by the two corners thereof, Upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it, and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shadow wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil, that by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning, when he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of, the, of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations it is most holy unto the Lord verse 34 and the Lord said unto Moses take unto thee sweet spices and gives them there amen I'm not going to try to pronounce these they're I know I'd miss them anyway but these are the sweet spices that are listed. Sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shall there be a like weight. Thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection. After the art of the apothecary. Tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small. And put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation. Where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy let me say that again it shall be unto you most holy and as for the perfume which thou shalt make you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof it shall be unto thee holy for the Lord whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people Let's glorify Him. Lord Jesus, we worship You. We glorify You. We lift You up. We magnify You, Jesus. You are holy, God. Praise God. And this that we speak about today is most holy unto You, Lord. 
It's very, very special to you, O oh God. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy and your power and your word today. Dear Lord Jesus, let that which I speak about today be a reality in my heart. God, not just words that are empty, Lord God, but words, God, that are full of conviction and faith. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And help us, O oh God, today to understand this awesome, awesome piece of furniture, Lord God, in the tabernacle. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. You would lift your hands and just worship that name. Glorify that name and lift your voice to Him today. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you, God. We praise you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. This altar of incense right here. Let's do this. Let's just look and see what the scripture tells us about it. Verse 2, it says, A cubit shall be the length thereof, a cubit the breadth thereof. Four squares shall it be. Two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. And verse 1 says, It is to burn incense thereupon. So let's go to Psalm 141. And you will see the Bible's interpretation of incense. Everybody have your Bibles. If you turn there, please, and follow along as we read. So we'll understand what this incense represents. Psalm 141, and I'll just start with verse 1. David says this, Lord, I cried unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice, which when I cry unto thee, let my prayer, say prayer, be set forth before thee as what? As incense. And the lifting up of my hands, as the evening sacrifice. So the incense that goes up is prayer. It's worship. It's praise. That's what this altar represents. It represents your prayer and your worship and your praise unto God. Amen. And it would have been located in the uh, center of the holy place there just before the veil. And where Jesus Christ, remember we looked at the cross. We saw his head was in the Ark of the Covenant. We saw his hands, table of showbread, golden candlestick. Where would the altar of incense be then? That's his heart. That's where his heart is. This is where the heart of God is. It's in this prayer. It's in this worship. It's in this praise. His heart is there. Amen. So you need to keep that in mind. Go to Revelation chapter uh, 1, please, and verse 6. This is most holy unto God. It's where his heart is. There are a lot of things you can do in serving God. But there is nothing on a higher order than your prayer life and your worship to him. There's nothing higher than that. In fact, without prayer, I will tell you, you will not make it. You must have a prayer life. I must have a prayer life if I'm going to make it in the kingdom of God. Without it, you will not make it. The devil will get the victory over you. You've got to have a prayer life. That's why it's most holy unto God. It's the highest order of things. It's God's focus, really, for you is to have a fellowship with Him. And that's, have you ever noticed that's the way the devil really hits you is in your prayer life? I mean, it's easy to really go out and witness and win souls and 
do the things of the, you know, the golden candlestick, that's your testimony. The table of showbread, that's your fellowship. This altar of incense right here, that's your exaltation of Him. And I want to tell you where the devil's going to hit you the hardest. It's not going to be, uh, you know, your testimony so much as your prayer life. That's why when you get down and pray, you have a hard time even talking. You have a hard time even lifting your voice to God. When you, have you ever noticed when you get down, the devil wants you to go to sleep right where you are. And, you do, and he, very little talking takes place unless you just give yourself to that. It's because it's the highest thing that you can do as a priest unto God. See, it doesn't do me any good to get up in the morning and come to pray if when I get here, I sit there or I go to sleep as I kneel. But that's the devil. That's his opposition against you to try to stop you from lifting that incense up and lifting that prayer up and lifting that praise up. So you got to get in your mind. you got to gird up the loins of your minds. I found that out in my life. I have to gird up the loins of my mind. That means my mind wants to drift and, you know, think about other things and about the day that's ahead of me. But you got to gird up the loins of your mind. you got to concentrate on what you're doing. And you got to give yourself to prayer even when you don't feel like it because the devil's going to try to stop that. And you're going to see why when we get through. Now, hallelujah. At least some of us are, are praying a little bit. You know what? Praying enough. I'm not praying enough. But at least we're praying some. But listen, if you're not praying any, that's why you're having trouble. That's why you're having problems. That's why it's not working. You go through life and say, why isn't this working? You've got to have a prayer life or it's not going to work. Amen? And let me read Revelation 1.6. And hath made us kings. Say kings. And what? And priests under our God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever what are you today you are a king and a priest and a priest offers up this incense before God's throne so you're a priest today and you come in here and notice there is no chairs in the uh, tabernacle structure you got this altar right here that's on the outside the outer enclosure and the labor but when you go in the holy place where the priests minister. That's where we are this morning. There is no chair for the priest. See that? Table showbread doesn't even have a chair. Golden candlestick for sure doesn't have a chair. Altar of incense doesn't have a chair sitting beside it. You know why? Because priests were not to be sitting. Now, it's all right. I'm going to let you sit during the preaching, but... The only chair I see in the tabernacle is his chair. He sits, we stand, and we minister. We are holy, we are kings and priests unto our God. Amen. So we stand, we ministered unto him, and we shouldn't be spectators. Can you imagine a priest? Going into this holy place and just sitting there and watching the other priests offering incense to God. And this priest had the gall and the audacity to be a spectator. We got too many spectators in the church of the living God. They just want to come and they want to sit. But a priest 
is to lift up praise. A priest is to offer incense. A priest doesn't sit there and just watch everybody. A priest moves. A priest serves. We were, we were created by God to worship Him. Have you ever wondered why He made us? He made us to praise Him. He made us to glorify Him. Some of y'all don't feel like it this morning. You're in a battle. But you know what? You gotta learn to break through that. You gotta press through that. You gotta offer that praise. You gotta offer that incense when you don't feel like it. Hebrews 13, let me show you. All right? This is gonna help you. It's going to help you, I promise you. Hebrews 13. Do you understand the priest role? Not sitting. You know, some of y'all say, well, why, why does that preacher get so excited? You know, he wants. I mean, we, you know, we can't just go in church and just sit there. Uh, you know, like good Baptists and good Lutherans. We can't do that anymore, you know. And when, when he's preaching, I mean, we just can't just sit there and quietly learn. He gets all upset if he, we just sit there and look at him bug-eyed. What's wrong with him? Well, hey, friend. We're not supposed to be sitting there. It's not a one-man show. God never intended it to be a one-man show. But that's how most churches have become. They have become a one-man show where the people sit out there. They're called lay people. And they're sit out there. And there's no participation, only spectation. That's not the way God wanted His church. You are a priest unto God. Just as I'm a priest unto God. I was made to give Him some praise. I was made to worship. I was made to respond. Amen. We have that privilege. How many of y'all understand we need prayer? That's, that's why you, you're fought so heavily in that area of your life. I'm telling you. Praise God. That He'll do anything He can to take that. Do you know that's right? He'll fight you. You start praying, things get more difficult, then they get better. Have you noticed that? I mean, before when you weren't praying or anything, everything's going, okay, relatively smoothly, so to speak. At least you think. Then all of a sudden you start praying and all darkness comes against you. And instead of going forward, it seems like you're going backwards. Instead of things getting better, it's getting worse. You know why? Because the devil wants you to stop praying. He sure does. You know why he wants you to stop praying and stop praying and stop worshiping? Because at one time he was a priest before the throne of God. And he used to do what you're supposed to do now. And because you took his place. He doesn't like that. He wants to shut that down. 
So just get ready. When you start praying, you're going to have more trouble. Now spiritually, you're going to have peace and you're going to have victory. But I'm talking about circumstances. And I'm talking about situations in your life. And things are going to start happening. And things are going to look like they're falling apart. It's because the devil is going to try to stop you from praying and worshiping God. You, I took his place. Look at Hebrews 13. I need to read this if I can get to it. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> One guy wrote a book. I believe the name of it says, Help me, Lord. I'm falling asleep. Help me to pray, Lord. I'm falling asleep. <laughs> he said, you notice every time he got out of his knees to pray, he started going. He wasn't doing much praying. He's doing more sleeping. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it takes some effort. He does, the enemy doesn't want you to pray. He wants you to go through life and be religious. Praise God. Who's, who's got Hebrews 13? I can't find it in my Bible. <laughs> Start at verse 1. As if changed, chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are also are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed is undefiled. For, But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. All right, go ahead and jump over to verse 12. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's good. You see that? Jesus has become a sacrifice for us. Right? And because of that, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. To sacrifice sometimes. Your flesh doesn't feel like it. Your flesh doesn't want to. So it's a sacrifice to offer praise to him. The Bible says, by him. Say, by him. Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks, thanks to his name. Say, continually. Hallelujah. Give God praise. <clears throat> now, okay, as these priests went in here, who was the priest that ministered here? What were they? What tribe were they from? The Levites, right? The Levitical priesthood. According to Hebrews 7, we are in our nature. The reflection of our nature is seen in the priesthood of Melchizedek. Because Jesus Christ came not after the order of Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek. It's a different type of priesthood. It's a royal priesthood that we're a part of. You understand? All right, now let me explain this. I'm not going to get into really a lot into the Melchizedek priesthood, but listen. In your nature, 
what you have received on the inside, the Spirit of God inside of you, in your nature, it's uh, reflected in the Melchizedek priesthood. But in the, your service and in the order of your life, then your life is reflected in the Levitical priesthood. You understand that? Make it real simple. We're talking about the Levitical priesthood. So we're talking about you. Your order and your service. Your nature is after the order of Melchizedek, okay? Now, whenever you come into the presence of God as a priest, they would offer this incense up to God. And it would fill that room. And it would go over into the Holy of Holies. Now, this altar of incense was just in front of the veil. Right? Now, on the Day of Atonement, Hebrews 9, verse 4, you can go over there and read it sometimes. That verse seems uh, to teach that this altar was moved from in front of the veil behind the veil in front of the Ark of the Covenants. But only on the Day of Atonement was this altar of incense moved from outside of the veil in the holy place into the Holy of Holies where God's throne room was on the Day of Atonement. Okay? They would go in. We're going to look at it from this point of view that it was on the outside of the veil in the holy place of course, behind the veil, the Holy of Holies, they would go in there and they would offer this incense. What would happen when that incense was offered up to God? Yeah. Well, there was fire on this altar. And where'd that fire come from? The altar of sacrifice. That's where they got the fire for this altar. That's why it says, by Him. See, it's based on the work of Jesus Christ that we're able to pray and we're able to worship. Okay? That's where the fire comes from. They put that fire and then they put the incense on that fire and the smoke filled the room. The Bible says in James, it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, which means the red hot prayer the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So if you want your prayer to avail, it's got to be red hot. That's why when Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane got down to pray, he prayed so intensely that the Bible says his sweat were like, was like blood that came on his brow and dropped to the ground. Blood mingled with his sweat. That's how intense he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. See, this, he fulfilled this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus fulfilled that in his life. And he, when he prayed, he prayed with everything he had. That's what I'm telling you. When you get down to pray or when I pray, the enemy's going to want you to just say, Now lay me down to sleep. I pray my soul, the Lord, to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord, my soul will take and then go off to sleep. Because it's the red heart prayers. It's that intense giving of yourself to God in prayer. Because if it's not hot, when you put the incense on it, it's going to put it out. So some people say, well, I've tried praying. It didn't do any good. How intensely did you pray? You're not trying to make God do, do something for you. Come here, brother. Stand up. When you pray, when you get intense, you're not saying, God, okay, I'm going to make you give. 
I'm going to make you quit, see. Uh-uh. God has chosen, though, this way of intense prayer not to make Him give in to you so that you can get to a place in your life that you can receive that answer. Jacob wrestled with the Lord. I mean, he got tired. Uh, some of you are already asleep. You need this message big time. Come here, brother. You sleep in church. I can't believe it. First of all, the angel of the Lord came and wrestled with Jacob. Okay? It doesn't say that when the angel of the Lord came, that Jacob grabbed a hold of him and started wrestling with him. It says the angel wrestled with Jacob. Right? Why did that happen? And the, and the angel, the Bible says, was a theophany, a visible manifestation of God in angelic form. But the angel came first and wrestled with Jacob. So what God does, first of all, is he starts wrestling with you. He's got to get you in a place where you can be blessed. There's too much of me in me. And there's too much of you in you. So God comes and He starts dealing with your spirit. He deals with your life. He shakes you. He wrestles with you to try to get you in a place that He can bless you. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that the Lord touched the hollow of His thigh. And now He's limping. So He's weak in Himself. God has to get you to a place in your life that you're weak in yourself. So you start trusting in His strength and not, not our own strength. So when He gets through touching you and wrestling with you, you're going to be walking through life with a limp. People are going to say, what in the world has happened to you? Oh, God has been dealing with me. God's been shaking me around. God's been wrestling with me over things in my life and he's getting rid of some of my strength so now I'm starting to trust in him alright then the scripture says that after the Lord the angel was wrestling with Jacob then Jacob wrestled with, was wrestling with the Lord yeah there you go really good <laughs> and remember the angel wanted to leave Wanted to go. Let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. So now I, I got you, God. And I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to wrestle. And I'm going to fight. And that's the way it is. We come here and God's dealing with us, wrestling with us, you know. And, and before it's all over, He gets us to a place where we recognize our weakness. And we start holding on to Him. Saying, God, I'm walking with a limp now and I can't let you go now. I got to have your strength. I got to have your blessing. If I don't have your blessing, I can't make it for sure now. Because you've been really messing with my life. You've been stirring me. You've been touching me. You've been hitting me in the hollow of my thigh. I'm weak now. But remember this, when you're weak, then you're, you're strong. Because you're, then you start really getting a hold of God. That's why sometimes God will allow difficulties to come to your life. And my life. Because if it's all going good, 
Well, we don't think we need to pray. So he'll start letting difficulties come in your life, put you on your knees. Brother Dice said, you got saints that cause you problems? He said, praise the Lord for that. Because they're the ones that keep you on your knees. And I don't know if I've got to the point yet that I'm praising the Lord yet for that. But they do keep me on my knees. Do you understand? So your problems will put you on your face. Your trouble will put you on your knees. But there are people that are too independent of God. They don't think they need Him. So God says, all right, I'll show you. You need me. I'm going to make you walk with a living life. So then you'll say, oh, I can't let you go, Lord, till I get my blessing. So you got to have that effectual fervent prayer. I mean, sure, there's simple communication with God. But you have to go from simple communication to... Um, Supplication. Y'all heard the word supplication before, right? Simple communication said, okay, Lord. You know, thank you, Lord. Just like I would talk with you. But supplication is more intense. Supplication is, God, if you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. I'm not letting you go till you bless me, God. I'm going to set, I'm going to stand. I'm going to run around this church. If I got to run around this church, I'm going to jump. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to praise. If you want my face, God, on my face, I'll get on my face in that altar. And I'll stay there. I'm going to stay there, God, till I get my answer. And I'm not leaving that altar until I get my answer. That's supplication. And it, it's probably going to take you more than five minutes to get, get it through. Amen. Supplication saying, God, supply. I need you to supply something for me. And I'm not leaving until I know I touched you with that need. That's supplication. But it's more intense prayer. It's where tears are flowing down your face. It's where sweat is flowing off of your brow. That's supplication. And then intercession is when you stand in the gap for somebody else. You start praying. And it's the same way. I mean, it's intense and it's fervent and it's red hot. And I want you to know, it's like Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says in Hebrews, he offered up prayers with strong cries. If you, were to, if you would have walked by the Garden of Gethsemane that night. Literally, if you study that in depth, you will find that Jesus was crying like a wounded animal. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And you could have heard him a mile away, lifting his voice, not quietly, but lifting his voice. That's intercession. And you'll get to a place in your life if you have a need, that supplication. You're interceding for somebody. You know what, if we were to come by you or go walk by that room, we could hear you. We wouldn't even have to go in your house. We could drive by your house and we could hear something taking place in that room. Because you've gone beyond simple communication to supplication. And then you get into intercession before God. And then before it's all over, then you have hands lifted up and you're saying, thank you, Jesus. 
Of course, the way you start in prayer is by thanking Him. Just start thanking Him. Lord, thank You for this day. God, that's how you pray. You start thanking Him. Lord, I worship You. I thank You for everything You did for me yesterday. And, you know, just thank You for everything He's done for you. And then, then you can move and get into the supplication, supply, Lord. And then you can pray for other people. Hallelujah. And then you end it with praise. You begin it with praise and you end it with praise. And in between there's the supplication and the intercession. And that's the way you do it. Praise God. It's an awesome thing when you stand there. So we had these different components that were in, it was in that perfume. You notice there was different ingredients that went into it. So that's the different aspects of your prayer. Simple communication, the supplication, the intercession, the praise, the worship. That is pictured in all those different ingredients of prayer. Hallelujah. Give God the praise. Are you with me? Has anybody in here moved into that area of supplication and intercession where the tears started flowing and you were intense in prayer? And when you walked out of your room or your closet or your church or wherever you were when you prayed, your, your clothes were sopping red. If you've never got there before, get there. Because I guarantee... Uh, see, I, can, I know this church does this. Have you worshipped to the point to where when you left this place, your clothes were sopping wet? See, that's what I'm telling you. A lot of people come to church, they think if they do this, and you know, then they leave, they've really touched God. See, I have found otherwise. I have found that it's going to have to take some intensity on my part. And sacrifice and praise. That's why the enemy's trying to stop that. He knows it avails much. But the devil's going to, the enemy's going to come to you and tell you it's not doing any good. He's told me that many times. It's not doing any good. You know, your prayer is going about as high as this roof. Do you understand? Whenever that priest walked in there and he offered that incense, that room was filled with smoke. It went over into the Holy of Holies where God's throne was. Can you turn that off, please? Y'all understand what I'm saying? When you go in prayer and you go and start praising the Lord, your prayer is going higher than the roof. It's going, it's ascending all the way up to the throne of God. When you get, when you pray, you need to have this understanding. You need to have this understanding this morning. Lord, that prayer I offered up to you yesterday, it went up before your throne. You heard that prayer. It didn't just hit the roof and come back down, but it was like incense that went up before the throne of God. And I know my prayer. I know you heard my prayer, Lord. Because the enemy wants you to think that it just goes to the roof and falls back down to the ground. But that's not true. It's going up, 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 up before the throne of God. It's like incense that fills the roof. See, look, when we pray and we're worshiping, you know what's happening? This aroma, this perfume, 
this beautiful smell is going all the way up to the throne of God. See, that helped me in my worship this morning. Because when you start praising on the enemy again, he's trying to stop your praise. That's not doing any good. And you don't feel good. And you're tired and all these things. But I kept saying, God, you know what? I'm going to praise you. Because it's going up. It's going up. It's going higher than this roof. It's going all the way to the throne of God. So they were sitting in this holy place. They were sitting in a room full of smoke, man. A room full of incense and a beautiful odor that had gone over into the Holy of Holies. Now, not only that, but it moved out of that tabernacle and it filled the air. If you were people standing out there in the outer court or beyond in your tent, you could smell that aroma coming and filling the polluted air. And in the place of that pollution and that smell that was in the air there, you would smell this beautiful aroma. So when you start praying and praising and worship, your praise is going up before God. It's filling all the sanctuaries. It's filling this room. It's going out into the world. And it's hitting that polluted atmosphere out there. And it's filling it with a beautiful aroma. And if you'll watch when you're praying or you come to church and you're praising, you will see the atmosphere starts changing. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because there's nobody being a spectator. Everybody is praising the Lord, lifting Him up, and singing in the choir or singing solos or leading the service. And you're out, we're out there praising the Lord. And that's why the atmosphere changes. Because there's an invisible aroma. There's an invisible incense that's flowing out of your life. That's that prayer. And it's beginning to fill this sanctuary. It's filling this room. And when those priests are standing in that room, and that incense is all around them, they're hid. I said they're hid. Look at Psalm 91. Psalm 91. See, you're going to be, we are going to be encouraged to pray more. And you're going to recognize when you're getting hit, when the enemy's trying to stop you from praying and praising, you're going to understand why, why that is happening. Because Psalm 91, the Bible says, He that dwelleth, say dwelleth, in the secret place. <laughs> you know what the secret place is? Is that when you're shut in with God in prayer, it's a secret place. You're hid with God. So there they are, they're standing in this holy place. And they're hid with God. And you can't see them because the smoke is in that room. Hallelujah. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You get a prayer life. You dwell in that secret place. You know what you're doing? You're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. His protection is over you. His security is over you. His love is over you. His joy is over you. But if you're not praying, no wonder so many devils are hitting you. 
No wonder you're having so many problems because you're not in that secret place. You're not hidden by the smoke of the incense. So the devil can see you perfectly. He can put a bullseye on you and he hits you hard. No wonder it's not working if we're not praying. No wonder demons are hitting us so hard if we're not praying. Because we're not hid in the secret place. See, if I can pray and I can worship, I'm in a secret place and the devil can't get to me. He can't get to me. He can't get through that prayer. He can't get through that praise. He can't touch me because I'm surrounded by prayer and praise and incense and smoke. Come on. See, some of y'all, you know what I'm talking about. You're enemies hitting you here and hitting you there and you're in a polluted environment you got problems and troubles what you do is just start praising the Lord when you go to work before you go to work you need to understand this when you pray and if, if you've prayed and you've worshipped and you walk in that workplace you're carrying an aroma with you you're carrying incense with you in that place and I don't care how many demons are at your workplace. I don't care if the devil himself shows up at your workplace. If you'll pray and you'll take some incense into that place. Oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Just take some incense into that place. Because I want to tell you something. Not only can God smell a praying person. People around you can smell the incense of a praying person. But something else. If you're a praying person, the devil can smell a praying person. Oh, hallelujah. He can say, that's a praying person. i got to stay away from them. I can smell the incense on them. I can smell they're a praying person. And that's why the enemy wants you to stop praying. Because he can smell you when you walk in. Hallelujah. When you walk into that workplace. I told you this is the highest order of service that you can do is to pray and to praise God. That's where his heart is. That's your protection. That's your defense. I know who I know people who say. But it's just not working for me. God's not helping me. Do you have a prayer life? Are you covered by incense? So the devil can't get to you and it hits you so hard. Do you have a prayer life? Man, everywhere I want it, I want to go. I want God to smell that incense on me. 
Everywhere I go, I want other people to say there's an anointing on that person's life. I, when, I, when I go out there in the world, I want the devil to smell me that I've been with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he can't touch me. Friday night over there, people were talking about going to work. You know, they say, uh, one sister said, well, I can't wait to go to church and I'll get my victory. And that's true, you do. Hallelujah. And one brother said, yeah, but I'm praying I'm getting the victory before I go to work. Amen. I said, you got it right. Because when you come into church, you start praising or wherever you pray. Then you go back in your workplace. Man, you're taking the incense with you. And everything that would come against you in that day just goes up to that incense and can't go further. So I'm giving you an answer this morning. And the answer is prayer. If it's not happening for you, if it's not working for you, find yourself a place of prayer every day and seek God. And then you'll be able to overcome the battles that you're facing. You've got to have the showbread, the Word of God on a daily basis. You've got to have a prayer life. Uh, this is this altar on a daily basis to overcome the world, the devil, and the flesh. And the enemy wants us to just, just all be spectators. But when we come here, we're not spectators. And we're offering praise together. That's why things are happening. But we need everybody. We need everybody. The Lord needs everybody praying. You know, if you have a hard time praying one hour a day, start out with 10 minutes. But you know what? You pray 10 minutes, and the next day you pray 10 minutes, and the next maybe 15, and the devil can't come and pick on you anymore. Well, I didn't pray an hour, but at least I prayed 10 minutes today. Don't get this idea because you didn't pray for an hour or two that you shouldn't pray at all. Start somewhere. Work up to an hour. Some people say, well, I run out of things to say. <laughs> we just praise God, worship God, just talk. <laughs> Man, you, you, get, you know, run out of things to ask God for. We just spend the rest of your time thanking Him for everything He's already done. Pray for our country. Our country needs prayer right now. This fixed to be a major election. Hallelujah. So you need to pray. You can find something to pray about. Isn't God good? I love the Lord. He's awesome. So I want to send some incense out. I want to send some prayer up. How many of you believe now that your prayers are going higher than the ceiling? Come on. Everything you do, you do by faith. I'm up here talking, you know, preaching to you whatever this morning by faith. You're responding by faith. You're praying by faith, not by what you see. You walk by faith. And you pray for invisible things until the invisible things become a visible thing. That's what prayer is. Don't stop praying until the invisible thing you're praying for become, it becomes an invisible thing in your life. 
Let me show you Hebrews 11. That's this principle. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the incense? Praise God. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Look at this, please. Some, some say, well, I'm not seeing anything happen. Well, <laughs> you got to keep on praying. It might not be in the will of God. He may be saying wait. He may be saying yes. He may be saying no. But just keep praying. Hebrews 11, look at this. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance, say the substance, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You wouldn't believe that? For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Look at verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. How many of you believe God is? To please God, you have to believe that he is and what? And that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what you do is you walk by faith. You don't see anything happening right now. But you keep on praying and you keep on going to church. And you keep on praising the Lord. And you keep living for the Lord. And the invisible things that you're praying about, God can make them visible. That's, all right, so you got to have faith. We have to have faith. Praise God. Can't go by your emotions. Can't go by how you feel. Can't go by, go what, by what you see or what you think or what you hear in the physical. It's a spiritual thing, all right? How many is this helping y'all? Glory to God. I love it. God said go in there twice a day. Once in the morning and once in the evening. Well, we got the morning. Some of, some of you got the morning down. Okay? But now we need to get the evening down. Which means just before you go off to bed, pray some. And then go to sleep. Are you here? Isn't God good? Go to Psalm 55. Let me show you something. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Psalm 55. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 16. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Now, now if you read this whole chapter, you're going to find out he's in trouble. He's got so-called friends all around him. <laughs> Are you here? But he's not going to walk by sight. He's going to walk by faith. And he says, as for me, I'm going to call upon God and the Lord shall save me. I don't see it in the physical and the visible right now. But I'm going to call upon God in the invisible. And I'm going to see him do something in the invisible and make it visible. That's what, that's what faith is. Look at verse 17. Evening and morning. Say evening. 
and morning and at noon. In the morning, before I go to bed at night, and when I go to lunch, what's he going to do? He said, I will, will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. I'm going to keep the incense going up morning and night, and in the noontime, prayer is going to continually going up. Now, now I know that you can't, most of you can't, you know, pray all day long with, on your knees. But at least find some time in that day to pray on your knees. And then the rest of the day, you're going to find yourself just talking to the Lord. You ever notice that? You're going through the day, you're at work. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. God, what do you think I ought to do here, Lord? Okay. Uh, praise God. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for blessing me, Lord, with that cell. Thank you, Jesus. And all day long, you're really... See, only a regenerated soul does that. Walks through life and is continually communicating with the Lord. But you need to find some time in your life that you actually take time out of that day and pray unto God. Right? Give the Lord praise. And they were to offer that thing up twice a day, the morning and the evening. Now look at this. Remember when old Jacob, we talked about Jacob, he was wrestling. The Lord was wrestling with him and he wrestled with the Lord. His name was Jacob. What does that mean? He's a cheater. He's a liar. He's a manipulator. Hallelujah. That's our flesh. Okay. That's what his name means. But then when he got through, when God got through wrestling with him, and he held on to God until God blessed him. You know what God said? I'm not going to call you Jacob. I'm going to call you Israel. Which means literally a man conquered by God. One translation has it this way. As a prince thou hast, and the Bible says this, as a prince thou hast power with God. The Bible says that. His name means conquered by God. But it, God goes on and says, as a prince thou hast power with God. Why? Because I've been wrestling with you, and you've been wrestling with me, and now you've got some power in your life. See, a lot of people want the anointing, and they want power in their life, but they're not willing to spend the time in prayer. So there are four horns on this altar right here. Habakkuk. Let's go to Habakkuk. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I don't have Habakkuk. Sorry. I don't remember where it is. It's in Habakkuk. Read the whole book. There you go. But you'll find coming out of the hands of the Lord, light, rays of light that are shaped like horns. And it's a picture of His power. I got it somewhere. I just, it'd take me forever to find it. Look what happens when you start praying. Anybody know what happens when you pray? You get, just like Jacob, as a prince that has power with God, when you start praying, you start getting power with God. You start walking in the power of God and an anointing in your life. Oh, yeah, you got the Holy Ghost. I'm not questioning that. God's not questioning that. But you have something, brother? Oh, he's just standing up. He's just having so much fun. Yeah. How about you had the verse for me? 
You have it, brother? Two? Habakkuk. What is it? Three and four. Please read it. All right. Thank you, brother. He had horns coming out of his hands, and there was, and there was the hidden, the hiding of his power. Ah. Read it again, brother. Praise the Lord. And his brightness was as the light. As the light. He had horns coming out of his hands. As horns coming out of his hands. And there was the hiding of his power. Oh, the hiding of his power. <laughs> Thank you, because they didn't believe me. I went ahead and tried to preach it, and they just looked at me like, so thank you, brother. So whenever you get a hold of the horns of the altar, you start praying, you start getting power in your life. There's an anointing that comes in your life. It's awesome. Now, let's look at something. Okay, verse 3. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof, round about, the horns thereof. Thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. Say a crown of gold. Hallelujah. There's a crown around the table of showbread, hand's breath, holding us on the table, right? He's holding me on the table. He's keeping me in the fellowship. I'm not keeping, I'm, you know, I'm going to do my part, don't get me wrong, but he's the one that's really holding me secure. He's the one that's keeping me in the walk. He's the one that's keeping me in the church. By his hand, it's crowned because he rules and reigns. He has power and authority to keep me. All right? He's able to keep us from falling. But then it says, keep yourself in the love of God. So there's a... Okay. So there we have this rim of, or this crown of gold around the table of showbread. Right? That's the crown of fellowship. We have a crown on the Ark of the Covenant. There's another crown. It's the crown of holiness. This holy God that is sitting upon the throne allowed access to us by His work on the cross and became a mercy seat. So it's a crown of holiness. But this is a crown of exaltation. We exalt Him. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. See that? All right? Golden candlestick, testimony. Table of showbread, fellowship. Altar of incense, the priest offering worship and exalting him. Give God praise. All right? Y'all with me? God's good. Now, I want to share something with you. This thing is crowned. Jesus is alive. He's, listen to me it would do me no good to pray to a dead savior come on yeah he died for us on the cross but it's, it goes further than that he was buried and he rose again the third day so he is he ascended up as king so he lives he ever lives to make intercession for us. Now that doesn't mean he's praying for you. It means the blood is pleading your case. All right. Now. He is Lord Jesus Christ. After his resurrection, Lord Jesus Christ. 
Do you understand that? Not just Jesus. Or not just Christ. But Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. After his resurrection, after his death and resurrection. We went through this on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, right? Okay. Now look. When I say Jesus, I'm not talking. You know, that could be anybody. Jesus, the little boy down the street. When you say Christ, well that, listen, you should never take for granted when you hear somebody say Christ, that they're talking about the Jesus we know. There is an antichrist. Doesn't matter if they're religious. Doesn't matter if they claim to be preachers. If they say Christ, ask them which one are you talking about? When you say Jesus, which one are you talking about? He's not just Jesus and he's not just Christ. He's Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, I come before you and I praise you. And I worship you, Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that when we pray we can't say Jesus. And we, you know, I'm not saying you can't say Christ the anointed one. I'm trying to show you, though, that what makes our ability to pray and for our prayers to be answered is that he died, was buried, and he rose again. And he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. All right, please, let's go uh, one slide further, please. And back up, if you would. Yeah, right there. Okay, back up, and let me read to you verse 31 of chapter 26. Thou shalt make a veil of blue, purple, scarlet, fine twine linen of cunning work. With cherubim shall it be made. All right, where's that altar of incense? It's in front of the veil. Say, Lord Jesus Christ. What are the colors of the veil? Blue. Say blue. Lord. Look at your neighbor. Say blue. Say Lord. Uh-oh. He's God. He is the glory of God. You see that? you got to have all of these things. That's the blue. Ah, then we see scarlet. Scarlet. Say scarlet. scarlet. Now, I'm just going to keep bringing this home to you. What is this scarlet? Where did it come from? Ah, it came from the red worm, right? Psalm 22, Jesus said, I am a worm and no man. Now, you think about that. When he says, I'm a worm, he's saying, I'm the tola. I am the scarlet worm. I am the red grub worm. That they take and they crush. And they take the blood of that worm. And they use it for dye. And that gives this beautiful crimson color. Are you here? I am a worm and no man. Look at that. Are you with me? The, the, listen to me. The name Adam. You go and study it. Go, if you've got a pulpit commentary, go and look. It'll give you the Hebrew word for Adam. Adam means red. Say red. red. Adam means red. Also, they, they believe that it, it, it comes from and is derived from the word which means dirt. You with me? 
So whenever God created Adam, he named him Adam and said, Red dirt. Aren't you glad today that you're red dirt? <laughs> you're looking at red dirt, man. That doesn't mean, well, yeah, sometimes I get red because I go out and look in the sun five minutes and I get, <laughs> get a sunburn after five minutes. But, but what I'm trying to show you is, see, Adam had the ability to blush. You understand that? See, have you ever seen Hispanic people blush? Never seen anybody. Never, never seen a Hispanic person blush. <laughs> it's only old, us white guys, white dudes that blush, you know? Have you ever seen a, a, a Brother Lemons back there blush? I've never seen him blush. But you look at me, man, I'm always blushing. I'm always turning red in the face, man. I use something weird with me, you know? I'm Adam. I'm red dirt, man. You look at me, you're looking at Adam. I'm looking at you, I'm looking at Adam. You understand that? So Jesus Christ came as the red man of Calvary. He came as the last Adam. The crimson. The scarlet. I am a worm and no man. What a step. So you don't, listen. Okay. Let me bring this down to where we are, all right? You have to understand this to pray and to worship and to praise God. It's crowned, Lord Jesus Christ. You understand? Okay. So Jesus Christ came into this world. He was God. The Lord, blue of glory. But he became the red man, Adam, and walked among us. And then was crushed by the weight of your sins and poured out that crimson flow up on the cross for your sin to be forgiven. Now, okay, if I stood up there and said the highest angel in heaven became a man. It's okay. Is that on? You with me? Oh, wow, that'd be pretty neat, right? I told you there's the, uh, the highest order of angels. Uh, maybe Michael or somebody came and became a worm. That's not such a big step. That's not such a big step because both of them are created. The angels created, the worms created. You with me? In the spirit world, the angel would be considered, you know, below God. In the spirit world, it would be considered the highest of God's creation and the worms the lowest of God's creation. So for an angel to come and become a worm... That's not such a big step because you have one creation of God moving to another creation of God. But we had the Creator, the Blue, the Lord Himself, uncreated, unre uncreated, eternal God. I am. Took that step and He became Adam, red man. And was crushed as a worm on Calvary. Now that's a step that the infinite cannot explain. So I'm trying to show you. Hey, uh, well, y'all really got a lot out of that. That's where Philippians 2 comes in. Right? Read it sometimes. You don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Is everybody here still? So go back, please, to this. And then the purple. Okay. Uh, yeah, got to get to the purple. Blue, the Lord of glory, the crimson, the red man, 
and then the purple he's the king he lives go back please to the just reverse it and it'll take you back alright so when we come over here then it says it's got a crown on it he is Lord Jesus Christ verse 4 means he is alive the Lord of glory became a red man of Calvary and became a worm on Calvary and then come on he resurrected from the dead he's king of kings and lord of lords and he ever lived to make intercession for us oh come on you got to hear this so that when you offer your prayer and you offer your praise it goes through him and the weakness that you have and the unworthiness of that prayer come on man you, you can never put in terms what he deserves here with your mouth you can never speak to him in praise and prayer what he deserves it all belongs to him it's most holy but in your frailty and in your weakness in your insignificance and in your unworthiness would you come and pray and worship it's by him the high priest so as a man he can go in there and say he can take your prayers as a man we got to picture this as a high priest as his work as high priest he offers your prayers and they become as if he offered them So they become perfect. Do you understand? Lord Jesus Christ. He came. He walked. God walking on this earth as a man. He died as the red man. And he rose as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And now when I pray, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He pleads my case. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. You're forgiven. He says, you're forgiven of all your sins. You're washed in that blood that I shed for you. And when you pray and you praise and you worship, I receive that and I offer it up as a pure. I'm talking about his work here. Don't get this picture in your mind. The man is over here walking around, you know, and he's taking all these prayers and going up to the, to the, to the, second, to the first person. He's giving. No, no, no. I'm talking about his office here. Come on. His blood is pleading my case today. What's, he, what's that blood crying? Forgiven. That's why he says, let us come before his presence with singing. He tells us in Hebrews 4, he says, come boldly into the presence of the Lord. He can be touched with the feeling of your infirmity. Not your sin. He cannot be touched with your sin. But he can be touched with the feeling of your weakness or your infirmity. So God says, go in there boldly when you feel weak. And say, Lord Jesus, I have confidence in what you've told me. That I can pray and you'll hear my prayer. And I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. And I'm coming in here boldly. Hallelujah. And I'm not coming in here trying to tell you what to do, God. But I come in here saying, God, I believe what you told me. Oh, my, my. Man, I feel it. I, there's some incense in this place right now. 
I'm not just saying that. Praise God. And that has to be the right kind. Can't offer strange fire, right? And I'm not going to get into too heavily detail here, but you can go to Leviticus chapter 10. You can read about Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire. Could have been the wrong fire. Not off the altar. Could have been offered a wrong way. Bypass God's high priest. You with me? God said it's strange fire. Let me, let me bring it all down to this right here. You have to worship God in spirit and in truth. You got to hear me. See, you cannot live a life of sin and unholiness and come in here and bribe God with your praise. That's sanctification. The first part I talked about is justification, is forgiveness. That's justification. Sanctification is living holy and separate and dedicated unto God. Now listen. If you repent, He'll forgive that sin. But if you live in known, habitual, unrepented sin, you are offering strange fire unto God. You have to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Come on. So, strange fire. Leviticus 10. Wrong fire. Wrong place. Wrong way. You can't do it any way. You want to. You got to do it God's way. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you want to live a holy life? Separated and dedicated unto God. Praise the Lord. Okay, let me show you something. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 29. How many priests do I have in here? Hallelujah. Let me show you. Zechariah Chronicles 29 and verse 3. How many priests I got in here? No, that's not the question. You're born again. You're baptized in your name. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. That's not the question. You're a priest. Are you here? Whoa, man. Look at this, verse 3. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priest, say the priest, and the Levites, and gathered them together into the east street, say the church came. Because the order of the Levitical priesthood is a picture of your order and service in the church. So he gathered the church. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, this is, this is me. Verse 5, and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves. Set yourselves apart to me. Dedicate yourself to me. Commit yourself to me. Right? And sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers. Not just, don't just sanctify yourself, but sanctify the house of God. Do you understand? Say strange fire. You don't want to offer strange fire to God. Let me show you. 
Let me read the verse. Keep your place there, please. Chronicles there, 29. And go over to verse 9 of chapter 30. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meal offer, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. Hallelujah. With me? Okay, when you come, you're a priest. It's not the question. But he says when you do come, make sure you come right. Right? Don't just come any old way. Hallelujah. And sanctify the house, right? Sanctify the house of the Lord your God. <laughs> How many of y'all believe there's order in the house of God? See, there's a lot of churches, if we're not careful, I don't want to get there, that we lose the order of approaching God. We come any old way. And we leave in your way. I mean, right in the middle of a, of, of a service when incense is being offered, somebody will get up, walk out the door, and run to the parking lot. <laughs> I got to hurry and get to my car because, you know, I don't know why. I mean, it's not like we got a thousand cars out on the parking lot. I got to hurry and get to my car uh, so I can beat so-and-so out of here so I can get to my, get to the restaurant. There's a right way to come in this place. And there's a right way to leave this place. (laughs) This isn't the bar that you came out of, my friend. This is the house of the living God. There's order in this place. Sanctify the house of God. Make sure there's order. Make sure that when you come, you know, you don't throw spit wads off all on the floor, you know, and, and leave them there for the pastor to pick them up. Or, or take or take your gum and put it underneath your pew. You got to have order. This isn't a barn, my friend. You come into this place with holy reverence and order. And I was working on a pew one day, flipped that pew over, and I had, there was fresh green gum under the pew. You shouldn't have gum in your mouth when you walk in this place anyway, because you should be using your mouth to worship God. So, so anybody in here needed to make an offering to the trash can, I'll get somebody to go and pass the trash can for you today. But you might want to swallow your gum this morning. And it'll be in your stomach for the next 20 years. You come in this place, you sanctify yourself, you sanctify the house. There is order. You don't let your kids run on the platform and tear up everything. You make sure, come on, you discipline them. You tell them this is God's place. We're going to act this way. We're not going to chew gum in God's house. Listen to me. I'd have a heart attack if I walked in here and saw somebody smoking a cigarette. 
Come on, man. There's order in this place. Sanctify the house of the Lord God. Have some respect for this place. Don't bring your cigarettes in here. And don't bring your alcohol in this place. Come on. Sanctify it unto God. Now, I know the building isn't the church, but we still need to respect it. Really, your house, the house of the Lord is you. You need to think about what you do with your house. Sanctify the house of the Lord God. I mean, I'm not going to smoke in the house and drink in the house. And Come on, are you with me today? And I'm for sure not going to come into this place and play Led Zeppelin on my guitars. This is God's holy place. It must be respected. And somebody told me that one time they were in here as a group and they were playing some rock and roll music in here to the world. And they said God dealt with them and smote them and convicted them. And they repented. So that's all under the blood. So listen, we're not bringing that up. Are you with me? But I'm telling you right now that if you felt bad about that, you need to feel bad about that. And I knew they had repented, so I didn't say much to them. But I want to tell you, when they told me that, I felt like something died on the inside of me. Because you don't play rock and roll music in this place. I'm talking about the worldly. I'm talking about Led Zeppelin. I'm talking about, come on, somebody. That's the confusion you came out of. This is a holy, 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 holy place. Praise God. Amen. I mean, you're going to swallow your gum. I already did. <laughs> Give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. And I know, I know some of y'all that got kind of caught up in that stuff. You didn't have a very good example. You had somebody that was kind of, I think, kind of agging it on, who'd been in the church for a while, and theirs is the greater sin. You with me today? We should be examples to people the way we should handle ourselves in the house of God. Timothy said, teach me how to behave myself in the house of my God. When I walk in that place, God, show me how I should be when I walk in that place. There should be a respect and a reverence, and I know, you know. But I, I, still, I still thank God for it, you know. So y'all understand why sometimes we get like we are and say, hey, get your kids, man. Just... <laughs> right, come on, man. It's not all your fault. I know where you came from. I know you walked out of a barn. They hang from the roof and pull down the curtains and everything else where you came from. But when you came into this place, it's a different place. Hallelujah. Yeah, they used to do it in the bars you used to go to. <laughs> Pick up the chairs and... <sighs> this isn't the bar you came from, my friend. <laughs> sanctify yourself. Sanctify the house of God. Right? Yeah. Lift your hands and give God praise. I mean, help us out sometime. See paper on the floor? Pick it up. Don't walk on it and grind it into the carpet, man. <laughs> 
what's oh my, I got to get I got to go on here, but we spent uh, four hundred fifty dollars to get our carpets cleaned before the revival, professionally cleaned. And would you believe that shortly thereafter the revival, I was dig- helping my wife and others dig gum out of this carpet in the back of the church. I'll just tell you right now, you, you, you want to you pay the $450 to get this carpet clean? I love you, but there's got to be something changed. Because this is a holy place. It's God's house. Look, all right? Sanctify yourself, sanctify the house of the Lord your God, and carry forth the filthiness out of a holy place. Yeah, I know you're a priest, God. I know you're a priest. That's not the issue. No, some people say, well, he talks to me like I'm just a no-good sinner. (laughs) Hey, God said, get the filthiness out of your house. He didn't say they weren't Levites. He said, just get the filth out. Clean it up. Get the filth out of your life. Clean the house. The prophet told Hezekiah, get your house in order. Prepare to meet thy God. You got pride in you? Get it out of you. You got attitudes in you? Get it out of you. You need to get a walk with Jesus Christ in your life. And a reverence and a respect for His Word, His house, His people. Because if you don't, you'll offer strange fire. Number 16, they offer strange fire. They bypass God's high priest. You remember Nadab, Abihu? No, that's Leviticus 10, but Korah and his group. They tried to bypass God's delegated authority. When they did that, they offered, it was strange fire. Now you look at that. There's incense that's involved in that chapter. Come on, there's a right way to approach God. And I thank God for His forgiveness. But He's a holy God. And I need to come in here understanding that. When John saw Him, Jesus, He fell on His face as a dead man. All right, I think you understand. Right? Let me keep reading verse 6. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which is evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken Him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord. They stopped going to church altogether. Come on. They said, we don't need to go to church anymore. I'm telling you, we're living in a generation right now that God's talking about right there. Turn their back on His habitation. Stop going to church. When I this is me. There are people in here. Now, I understand sometimes you can't be here. All right? That's one thing. But if you can be and you're not, that's another thing. Some people don't, they're not going to make arrangements to change that anyway. And that's, then they're saying, what's wrong? Why isn't it working? Why do I have all these problems in my life? Because you've forsaken God's house. 
Notice what else the Bible says. Also, they shut the doors of the porch, man, put out the lamps and have not burned incense. They're not praying anymore. Don't go to church. They close the doors. Don't go to church. Don't offer incense. Don't pray. Don't worship. They go through the form. They can stand behind the pulpit and preach without praying. They can go to church and sit in the pews and stand in the pews and try to, try to live for God without offering incense, without praying. We're living in a day where people are prayerless and that's a sin against God. They just go, the, go through the ceremonies. They go through the ritual of claiming to be a Christian. And they have no prayer life. Look. Now you're good people here this, this morning. I'm not jumping on you. I'm just preaching the word of God. Notice also they have shut up the doors of the porch, put out the lamps, have not burned incense, nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Look at this. Verse 8. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, to hissing, as you see with your eyes. I'm going to tell you, you watch people that are like that, who do not pray, who don't think going to church is important, who don't sanctify themselves and live holy, and those that don't sanctify the house when they come. You watch what happens to their life. They're going to have one problem after another problem, one trouble after another trouble. And I want to tell you why. It's because of this passage right here. I'm fighting devils, preacher. Are you praying? Can't get the victory, pastor. Are you praying? Can't live for God, pastor. Are you going to church? Are you hearing the word? Do you care? Or can you sit there in Laodicea spirit and not let the word of God impact your life and heart? Well, that, this is what's going to happen. Man, I don't want that to happen to me. I got enough trouble as it is, right? I got to keep the incense going on up so that all this trouble, you know, gets, stays away from me. Get away from me. Amen. Well, it's kind of quiet in here now, but I said it. Isn't God good? <laughs> Have y'all ever wondered, oh, why are they so strict there? Oh, man, I... I'm strict. We're anything but strict. I, I'm amazed that God hadn't just come down here and go, shh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why won't they let our kids bust, our, bust the tables and peel the hide off the pews and <laughs> put gum under the pews? I mean, we don't understand that. We do that where we come from. It's not where you come from anymore. You know, wear our long hair and wear our earrings and everything else. No, they didn't have no problem with that. They didn't have a problem with the way we looked where I came from before. This is the house of the king. And you're not going to sing in this choir. You're not going to sing in the house of the king looking the way you want to look. You're going to look the way God wants you to look because you're representing the king and this is his house. I, I think you understand. Praise God. Amen. 
I'm almost through. Let's flip over. Verse 34. I don't want to end this on a negative. <laughs> I want to encourage you to pray. <laughs> Come on. Hallelujah. Verse 34. The Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices. <laughs> these sweet spices. With pure frankincense of each shall there be a, a like weight. Hallelujah. Come on. You should never come into the presence of God empty-handed. There's too many people that come to church empty-handed with no sacrifice whatsoever unto their God. We are priests. We don't come before Him empty-handed. Hallelujah. You think you can be a... Oh, this is a good place to preach on tithing. Now, majority of you can just sit there and praise the Lord and enjoy this. But there's a, there's a couple of you here I'm going to talk right to you and I'm getting your face. You have played games with God all your Christian life with your tithes and your offerings. And you wouldn't pay them. And that's why there's no incense going up from your mouth. Because you are a thief, a robber of God. You, you come to church empty-handed and think it's all for you. Nah, he said it's holy unto me. And I'm going to use a, this is a wonderful testimony, and I'm not going to give the name of the person, but I want to show you. This is beautiful. Sister came to me after church, I believe it was Wednesday. She said, Pastor, she said, this is all I made all month long. This is all I made. And I wanted to just tell you that. And she wanted me to know that because she didn't, you know, want to appear to be stealing from God. And she gave her tithes and her offerings. And I looked at her and I said, Sister, it's never been about how much. That's never been the issue with God. How much. It's your obedience to the word of the living God. To that amount that God has required you is what is important, not the amount of the dollar. If it's a dime, put it in the tithe offering and give it to God. It's not the amount. It's the obedience. You can't come before God empty-handed. If you do, you're not going to make it. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. I want you to make it. Right? Notice. Thou shalt make a perfume of confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together pure and holy. It's pure and holy. Then he says this. And thou shalt beat some of it very small. Ah. You're going to crush it. You're going to pound it. You're going to beat it. They're in a real small pieces. Hmm. Bible says. And put of it before the testimony of the tabernacle of congregation where I will meet with you. It shall be unto you most holy. God said this should be most holy to you. Your prayer life should be of utmost importance to you. Your worship should be of utmost importance to you. It is most holy unto you. I was beaten for you. I was crushed for you. I was smitten for you. That relationship should be very important to you. How many of y'all love the Lord? Praise God. Amen. What should it be to me? What should it be to you? This. Most holy. 
most holy. It's where God's heart is. You believe that? Notice the Bible says, And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof, it shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. You don't make something similar to that to put on you. It's for God. And it's going to get on you when you offer it up to me. But you don't make a perfume for yourself. It's set apart to God. You don't wear your baptismal robe into the shower. You don't, we don't have choir robes, but if you have choir robes, you don't wear your choir robes out there in the world. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you here? These are sacred things. They are dedicated to God. You don't take that which is dedicated to God and keep it for yourself. Which means this. That's where the danger is comes in prayer worship leaders or worship leaders in the service. Because if they're not careful as they lead the people. See, their job, come on, is to lead the people in praise and worship. So that we can come in in the presence of God and lift Him high. Not to build their ego. Or not so they can appear to be anointed. Or say they can appear to be powerful. Or so they can appear to be holy. Or so they can appear to be a preacher. That's not the purpose of a worship leader. Purpose of the worship leader is to be as out of the picture as he possibly can but yet just come on we're going to sing unto the Lord hallelujah and your focus is not to be on him but your focus is to be on Jesus it belongs to Jesus that's why a person who leads worship is in danger so y'all need to pray for those that lead our service because they're in danger because the devil stood before the holy throne of God and he was the one that was the worship leader in heaven and he fell because of pride and people will fall behind this pulpit because of pride because they start receiving it for themselves it belongs to him I don't care if you're a preacher or a song leader or a choir singer or a soloist or a Sunday school teacher you never get this in you I want to be glorified it belongs to Jesus and that's why sometimes we start feeling pride getting a hold of somebody we'll ask him to sit down for a while it's not because we think they're they're lost and on their way to hell it's because if we don't do that they're going to be lost because pride will kill you it will destroy you it will pull you into hell with the devil just, just sit down over here for a little while, you know, and get yourself together. Understand what it's all about. Understand why we ask you to do what we ask you to do and how we ask you to do it. Are you with me today? So the hardest things a pastor ever has to do is, is to deal with that situation. Come on. I had been in that situation. So I had to do that. I talked to this person over and over and over and over and over. No changes were made. And I remember that service that... Same old, same old. And I want you to know I felt the knife go through me. I can't explain. I felt like just cold water filling my veins. So this person doesn't understand. And I just set them down. And they took it humbly, bless God. 
And that showed them the kind of person they were deep down in heart. Are you with me today? He gets the praise. It is most holy unto God. Man, when you pray and you praise God, it's, a, it's very precious. It's very special. It's extremely sacred. Just everybody, everybody that I know of at this point that sings in the choir, sings solos, they pray, they fast, they, they try everything they can to walk with God in the way they're supposed to walk with God and lift Him up. Hallelujah. So I thank God for our singers. And I, whoo, thank you, Jesus. But we need to understand what it's all about. Because if an archangel can fall because of pride, so can you and so can I. It is most holy. It should be most holy to you. Praise God. Amen. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto the, the holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. This serious stuff, man. Now you put him out of the camp for that. All right. Hallelujah. It's most holy. Now let me show you another verse of Scripture. <clears throat> How many believe that it's holy? to you <laughs> how many of this has helped y'all you're going to pray now you know, and you understand why the devil hits you so hard try to stop you from praying and praising amen <sighs> you're offering that beautiful incense unto God Psalm 84 3 okay <clears throat> I'm almost through Praise God. <clears throat> Look at this. Yea, the sparrow had found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I love this verse. He talks about in this verse a sparrow that finds a house. He talks about a swallow that finds a nest, a resting place. And then all of a sudden, he says, Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my king. That's beautiful, isn't it? Some of y'all are battling, you're struggling, you need some rest. You know where it is? Even thine altars, O Lord. I went like a bird to the altar of sacrifice and there I found redemption and I went from there to the altar of incense and as I prayed and I worshiped I found rest for my soul and I found abundant supply for all my needs so just like a sparrow needs a house and a swallow needs a nest you need a resting place you need supplies met, and you are needy. But God says, just like the sparrow's taken care of and the swallow's taken care of, you come to me and my altars, and you're going to find rest and abundant supply for the needy that stand. Father, I worship you today. I thank you, Lord, for these, the people of God, this congregation, the church of the living God. 
It is most holy, O oh God, this incense, this prayer, this praise, this worship. You have enabled us, God, to approach your throne without intimidation, without feeling inferior. We can come boldly into your presence right now. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for that person right now. The enemy's been hitting very hard. Trying to stop them from praying. Telling them it isn't making a difference. That there is no rest. That there is no supply. That there is no help. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, as the prayers go up. And the incense fill this place. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would hide us in your pavilion. Hide us in your tabernacle. Hide us, Lord Jesus, in that incense, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let that aroma be smelt upon us, O oh God. For you said in the Song of Solomon, Lord Jesus, that the spices flow from the garden of the church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Take those spices now, Lord Jesus, of the prayer and the praise and the worship that we feel so unworthy about, that we feel so is so insignificant, and that we feel that we can't offer. Pray that you take those spices and hold them to your nose. And let it be a sweet aroma in your nose, Lord Jesus. Right now, God, I pray. That what I have preached, that what I have said this morning was not strange fire. Oh, Jesus, I praise you. I worship you. I thank you. I love you. I magnify you. Praise God. Sister Angie, if you could get us a song, please. Hallelujah. Would you like to come right now and just stand in His presence? And just love Him. He's here. If you're needy today, if you're needy, if you will come, He's able to meet your needs. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. There is a meeting place. It's a place where we can rendezvous in Him, and that's Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We worship you, King Jesus. We worship you, King Jesus. <laughs> Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory, glory, holy, 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 Jesus. There he is. There he is. Lover of your soul. There he is. Jesus. 
Yeah. 
Lord, I don't want to be a spectator, Lord Jesus, anymore. You brought me into your body, Lord Jesus, to participate, God, in the prayer and praise. You're worthy of it, Lord. It's holy and you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Father God, we just thank you right now for the Word of God this morning. We thank you for giving us understanding about prayer and praise and all the aspects of our communication with you. And we thank you, Lord, right now for the incense that's offered up before your throne. And we pray that you're just enjoying it right now, Father. God, you're, you're worthy. You're worthy. We love you. We appreciate you. Lord Jesus, we leave this place today, Jesus, with that aroma, the incense in our lives. We've been in your presence this morning. We pray for those, God, that we come in contact, that they will be able to discern that sweet aroma of prayer and incense in our lives. When people are, in our, are around us, they can discern the quietness of the Spirit. Our emotions are under this quietness of the Spirit. That we are quiet in You, God. We are having the peace of God reigning in our hearts in the midst of difficulties and troubles. 
Lord, we thank you for that secret place. We thank you, Lord, right now. We're under the shadow of the Almighty. Praise God. Let us be a witness, Lord, to everyone around us, to the glory of God, that you live, Jesus. You're alive today. You are the Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Just pray for every person, including myself today. Lord, as I pray that I would remember this lesson this morning. The enemy would try to come and stop me from praying or to put me to sleep or try to close my mouth. I remember that the incense goes up before your throne, that I am surrounded by it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise God. I encourage you to come tonight at 530 for prayer. And what you've committed into the hands of God today, nobody can get get it out of his hands. It's, he's got the censer. He's the high priest with the censer in his hand. And nobody can get that out of his hands, what you put in his hands today. Amen. He's an awesome God. Praise God. He's an awesome God. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. The Lord spoke to me earlier before service, and He said, You know, Sunday night service is going to be a difference in the night service from the morning service because these people have sacrificed, and they've come and praised me. They've lifted their prayers before my throne. And when they come back to my house tonight, they're going to be able to enjoy the fruit of their labor. That's why it gets better as we go. Because the sacrifice of praise is going up. And he's receiving it. And Lord, I just thank you right now for the sacrifice of the people who've come out in the cold weather and many of them are not feeling well. But they've prayed and they lift their voices in praise. And God, they will receive the fruit of their labors, Lord. For you will fill their hearts and lives and minds with peace and joy and strength. And you will supply their need. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. We'll see you tonight.